obviously we want to be growth minded, but for us, we knew that we wanted to find our core audience and really relate to them early on and then replicate off of that. What's up and welcome back to another episode of Cart Overflow. I'm your host today, Gen Furukawa, and that's Monica Groni, founder of Morea, which is a wellness brand to help women with PMS. Morea offers a multivitamin with 15 essential nutrients to help women with the emotional and physical symptoms of PMS. But what she talks about in this conversation is how she's driving organic growth, which she mentioned her core audience relating to them early on and building from there. And I thought that was really interesting. She has a very strategic approach to this, which incorporates elements of community, education, and of course, all premised on a great product that solves a very physical and emotional problem. Monica's bootstrapping this as a solo founder, and she's seeing great success with this multi-pronged approach of creating a brand and a community at the same time. And one thing that I love, for example, is how she's nailed personalization at scale. For example, when she talks about how she onboards her customers using video, this allows her to uh, create asynchronous communication, send a video. Uh, I'll, she'll get into this in more detail, but I think it's really great because she's created and executed a playbook for building a brand that deeply understands the needs of its core customer. And of course, after all, this is a problem that she has personally dealt with for years, and now she's bringing the solution to the millions of people who deal with uh, PMS symptoms every day. So this was a, a really great conversation. Monica gets very tactical and I think that there are a lot of takeaways and lessons in terms of driving orga organic growth with her community education, the product, and just creating a, a person and incorporating the audience as customers and helping to build the brand and having them participate. So anyway, let's get into it. Hope you enjoy. Thanks. Obviously, we want to be growth minded, but for us, we knew that we wanted to find our core audience and really relate to them early on and then replicate off of that. What's up and welcome back to another episode of Cart Overflow. I'm your host today, Gen Furukawa, and that's Monica Groni, founder of Morea, which is a wellness brand to help women with PMS. Morea offers a multivitamin with 15 essential nutrients to help women with the emotional and physical symptoms of PMS. But what she talks about in this conversation is how she's driving organic growth, which she mentioned her core audience relating to them early on and building from there. And I thought that was really interesting. She has a very strategic approach to this, which incorporates elements of community, education, and of course, all premised on a great product that solves a very physical and emotional problem. Monica's bootstrapping this as a solo founder, and she's seeing great success with this multi-pronged approach of creating a brand and a community at the same time. And one thing that I love, for example, is how she's nailed personalization at scale. For example, when she talks about how she onboards her customers using video, this allows her to uh, create asynchronous communication, send a video. Uh, I'll, she'll get into this in more detail, but I think it's really great because she's created and executed a playbook for building a brand that deeply understands the needs of its core customer. And of course, after all, this is a problem that she has personally dealt with for years, and now she's bringing the solution to the millions of people who deal with uh, PMS symptoms every day. So this is a, a really great conversation. Monica gets very tactical and I think that there are a lot of takeaways and lessons in terms of driving orga organic growth with her community education, the product, and just creating a, a person and incorporating the audience as customers and helping to build a brand and having them participate. So anyway, let's get into it. Hope you enjoy. Thanks.
Hey everybody, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining. We have today CEO and founder of Maria Wellness, Monica Groney. Monica, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. So yeah, we, we were just chatting a little bit and you're nearing a year into the launch of Maria and it, it's a beautiful website, product is spot on, the copywriting, I, I'm really like excited for where you're going and the product that you have, but it sounds like the brand was actually almost like a lifetime in the making in terms of the problem that it's solving and the problem that you personally experienced. Can you just describe briefly what the product is and then how you actually came about formulating the product itself and the brand? Yeah, so we have what we call our PMS Elixir, which is a drinkable multivitamin that's been specifically formulated to support the symptoms of PMS. So those are the symptoms that women experience the week before their period. Things like having mood swings, cramps, bloating, headaches, like all of those like very pesky, annoying, noxious symptoms menstruators see before their period. So The reason that this product got developed is because I am one of those people that have experienced these symptoms and it was something that was really affecting my life. You know, it was affecting my relationships. It was affecting my work and just my overall like well-being and mental health as well. And I was offered many solutions for this, but none that were the right solution for me. A lot of the solutions that are getting offered today are things like hormonal birth control or antidepressants, a lot of prescription drug. And I really wanted to not go the prescription route and find something that could heal from the root cause. And there's actually a lot of research behind how nutrition plays a role in a woman's hormone health. And so we dug into that and I had found a group of supplements that was working really well for me via a um, doctor recommendation. And when I realized that this new nutrition was making such a drastic change in my life, I really wanted to learn more. So I started to dive into that and then started to realize, wow, like I'm not the only person with this problem. And I think that there might be something here to make the solution more approachable as opposed to going out and buying, you know, seven or 10 different bottles of supplements and taking a bunch of pills every day. So we really wanted to make it more convenient, more fun, more educational, and just more approachable in terms of women understanding that nutrition plays a role um, in all these symptoms that are experienced. Yeah. So pardon my ignorance, but can you elaborate a little bit in terms of like where you didn't know that there was a solution and you didn't know, you know, that other people were having these problems. Is that because people don't talk about it that often, or there was no real existing solution to address that problem or uh, stigma around it? Yeah, I think periods in general are a pretty taboo topic. Uh, That's definitely been changing with the thanks to social media and period TikTok and like all of these platforms that are coming um, to light through the digital age and these, these new channels. But there's definitely a stigma around talking about your period from a young age. I remember, you know, not being told that much about it and you're kind of just told, okay, you're going to get your period once a month and then you just deal with it. And there's not really more in terms of education. You know, you have like a brief little sex ed section on it, maybe in 
middle school or high school. And I mean, I don't even remember like a biology class going that in depth on it. So I, I do think there's a lack of education and it's a topic that we're kind of told to not be super public with. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's really one of the core pillars of your marketing strategy or, or what the brand stands for is building the community, building the education and yeah, removing any taboo around it and kind of like putting this this nice aesthetic and branding behind it. Exactly. Yeah. We really want to create a safe place where menstruators can come and feel comfortable and then also get the knowledge that they need to feel empowered to go and make decisions about how they want to treat their own symptoms and just really like taking charge of this element of your life because it does play such a crucial role. You mentioned period TikTok. I actually didn't know that that existed. I would love to see a few videos. I kind of like thumb through TikTok under the guise that it's for, you know, work or research, but I will check that out. But yeah, like, how are you actually getting the brand out there, building the awareness and getting people to the site? I mean, first for the problem education and then for the product education itself. Yeah, we've focused really strongly on our organic channels and owned media. I know that there are a lot of e-com brands that go right out the gates with paid and really optimizing for that like super growth. And obviously we want to be growth minded, but for us, we knew that we wanted to find our core audience and really relate to them early on and then replicate off of that. So we've focused on owned organic channels, and those are things like really heavy content marketing on our website through SEO and blog posts. And so much of our traffic comes through there. A lot of women go to Google with their menstrual questions because they're either ashamed to ask about it or, you know, their doctor maybe gives them one answer and that's not the answer they were looking for. And so a lot of people go to Dr. Google searching and we want to be there and show up with like the facts and the knowledge. So we've optimized really well for SEO with these longer form pieces of content, which we've seen a ton of traffic come from and taken those as well and broken them out for all of our digital channels. So, you know, we're using content from that on Instagram in smaller bite-sized pieces. And then we're also, you know, doing Instagram reels, which has had huge reach recently with that content. And obviously that also shifts over to TikTok and we have seen such good results from TikTok. I feel like a lot of brands and people think that it's just, you know, this massive platform of young people just scrolling, but we are seeing conversions from that platform. So I really, really think that it is a full funnel kind of platform. And we've also seen a huge influx of like email subscribers, people coming to our website, then signing up and we're able to kind of push them through our automations and funnels there as well. So really, really focusing on those organic and and owned channels of organic social media, um, SEO, and then really big on email and SMS as well. Yeah. Can we dig into your TikTok strategy for a minute? Have you identified like what it is? And it it seems like maybe like some have nailed the formula of what it takes to go viral, but do do you have like a formula formula there or brand strategy or a narrative that you're trying to expand over time? I think the 
biggest things so far, I mean, and TikTok is still such a new platform. I feel like I'm always just trying new things almost, but the biggest thing that I've noticed is just consistency, you know, making sure that you're posting regularly. And we've definitely noticed like if we haven't, if we were really consistent and then weren't consistent for a week, like it affects the overall kind of progression of the platform. But in terms of content that has done well for us, we've really only had like three posts get over 10,000 views and none of them are really within the guidelines that you hear for TikTok. A lot of the things you hear are like follow the trends, use trending sounds. And the three posts that have gone viral are all very similar. It's there's no trending sound. It's just like me talking and the camera is just like it's a selfie kind of video of me talking and sharing like a, either a really vulnerable thing like about my own story or something exciting that's happened, like some kind of customer feedback or customer review that was like, oh my God, like, like here's this customer review that we just got. But it's weird because that's not what we're hearing is what should perform well on TikTok. It, there's no trendiness to any of that. It's just very authentic and very organic very, very raw. And so I don't know, maybe there's something to that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think it goes back to what you were first talking about in terms of something that's not often talked about, or maybe there, there's a developing awareness or acceptance, but if there is somebody who is the face of the brand, who's talking about something that not many people are talking about, then I'm sure people certainly resonate with that. So that's, that makes sense. And, and, you know, you being the, the hero of the story or sharing things that are vulnerable because people kind of like to see this transformation over time. That, that's what I might posit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah. Can we talk about the community that you're building a little bit? So there is, there's like the, I guess the fit, you have a private Facebook group, right. For people who are there to talk about their solutions. And I think it's not, it, it might be branded, but it's not really about pushing the product, but more about like a safe space to talk about the product or talk about the problem itself. Is that right? Yeah. So we actually just switched from our community being hosted in Facebook to it being hosted on Mighty Networks. And I don't know if you're familiar with Mighty Networks, but it allows you to have your own app basically. So people can tune in directly on their phone. And then it's also not kind of hosted already within the existing Facebook platform, which is nice because I feel like we can, again, like own it a little bit more. And that space is really where women get to meet other women experiencing similar problems and feel like they have a safe place to ask the questions that normally they wouldn't feel comfortable asking, learn something new and dig a little bit deeper. You know, a lot of people will see some of the education on Instagram, but maybe they're not comfortable publicly commenting. So in that community and in that group, women are able to feel comfortable, know that there's no stupid questions. And then we also have a bunch of health coaches, nutritionists, dietitian, like some of our practitioners that we also work with tune in on that channel so that they can also be part of the conversation, learn what women are suffering from dealing with, and then also provide feedback. So we're kind of coming at it from both angles of having the professionals in the room and also just having our customers, community, and people in the room who want a safe place to dive a little bit deeper on the topic. Yeah. And just to clarify, this is a free community? Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that's, that's brilliant. 
you know, one of the things I see is, you know, they're, they're always like, you know, trends of 2021 and beyond and these like trends in e-commerce, it seems that community is always one that seems to come up and it, like the community, I think that you're building seems very natural and on brand. Whereas if it were like a t-shirt brand or something that's not so personal, it might not be as good of a fit to, to build a community. And so anyway, that's just to say, I think that the, the strategy totally makes sense and it sounds like it's very unique and will help differentiate, you know, going forward. Yeah. And it's awesome for us too, because it also lends itself to us being more open where, with where we're going as a brand and getting that direct kind of feedback. I think that so many people in our community like to know that they're part of our process, whether it's developing new products or like we've even asked for feedback. We just like redesigned our packing tape and we were like, here are the two options. Like, what does everyone like more? And now when people get their product in the mail, they're being like, oh my God, I helped decide on this. And that creates also a deeper connection of they're getting to be part of our building process and part of our success. Totally. So can we just talk about like the, the conversion process? So maybe people who haven't joined a community or are a little bit newer to the brand and familiarizing themselves. One of the things you say is like, basically the product Morea is the elixir that you didn't know you needed or the solution that you didn't know you needed. And that, that sounds great, especially for those. And it's like 80% of women at least experience one of these symptoms every month. Right. Do you have ideas on what what the objections are because if you didn't know you need it then maybe there might be some innate skepticism um, like hey why didn't I know about this so what how you're working against that in terms of positioning or speaking to the customers to overcome any anxieties or doubt in terms of purchasing the product yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think a lot of it, we talk about the experience that women have in their doctor's office, and that's really where this is getting talked about the most often, right? You have the problem, you go talk to your doctor, they give you a solution. And the overwhelming majority of people are like, okay, my doctor gave me a solution. They didn't tell me about the side effects. They didn't tell me about what that meant for my future fertility. They didn't like, mm-hmm. none of that was discussed. And so there's really a connection as women or as menstruators to that experience. And so we kind of start by talking there like, Hey, have you been offered birth control, but not even been told like the side effects of birth control before? Like, have you ever thought that there was another way to heal this problem? And, and it really is like a slow educational process. And we fully will say like, we're not a quick fix solution. We're not for someone who's looking for a quick fix. And in order for like our supplement to work well for you, you have to be willing to commit to healing because it's really a lifestyle change, right? It's a mentality and a lifestyle change. So to some extent, there is this psychology of them almost entering into an investment in a lifestyle change. And it's like some psychological coaching of, okay, like you're desperate for change. These solutions haven't worked for you. We have a solution that can heal from the root and be a long lasting solution, but you have to be prepared to put the work in. Mm. This isn't the easy quick fix solution. And so 
Yeah, I mean, it, it is a challenging thing for us to educate the customer, especially because there are so many questions around like, okay, but like, will this work for me? Yeah, this has worked for some people. Will it work for me or am I just blowing my money? How quickly am I going to see results? All of those things. And, you know, we just push forward with the science and the knowledge that we know about nutrition and, and really try to get them in a mind space where they're ready to heal. Yeah. And it's really quite a brilliant business model in the sense that you have almost like the tripwire, which marketers might call it, or the first, the, the, the taste of it with a taste test, literally, I guess to, to secure like, all right, you're starting the path, here's a month and then like, see how it goes. And then really the next step is to go into a recurring monthly subscription, you know, for the entirety of this problem that will exist yeah. and cancel any time, pause any time, right? Churn out. But I think that like, that's a really nice way to ease people in to maybe mitigate some of the, the fears or the risks that people might be afraid of as they're committing to buy this. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we were hearing super often and was a really kind of quick pivot for us. We didn't have a sample pack when we launched, but we were people wanted to taste it before they committed. It's not just a pill supplement where you can just, you know, swallow it quickly and who cares what it tastes like. It's an actual drink. And so we built the sample product that we called the taste test and we're able to, you know, we charge for the sample because again, you're making a commitment. And if you just give samples away for free, like you get a, a ton of people who just want free stuff. So for a pretty low entry cost, you can try the taste, see if you're going to enjoy it, see if it agrees with you. Cause sometimes supplements also just like irritate people's stomachs. And then if you enjoyed that, you're able to, like you said, move into the subscription. And that also opens the door for us to have an initial conversation and something that I've been doing that is very unscalable, but has been working really well for now is every person who purchases a taste test, I personally reach out with a video intro, introducing myself, sharing with them that I've experienced the same thing they're experiencing. This product worked wonders for me. And if they have any questions, they can reach out directly. That's awesome. Um, Is that like a, a loom? So you're, you're recording a video specifically for that person, you know their name and so you address them? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I just do it. Yeah. Via loom directly through my Gmail, they have a direct line to me and that has been amazing. We've seen a super high conversion rate through that process of people going from our sample taste test to a subscriber. And it also allows me just like to create this really direct connection with our core initial customers and really trying to aim for that, you know, a thousand like super fans early on and, and build from there. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what's the subject line that you have on that email? It says introducing myself and it's oh, like okay. a hand, a hand yeah. waving. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen, this is more for a cold outreach, but ways that people have used to scale that is like, you know, it'd be like maybe you holding a placard and, and waving and then, Hey, and then you just kind of recreate, you know, their first name. Like, so it'd be, Hey Monica, and uh, type in Hey Monica. And then it would just be the same video. Like, Hey, thanks for joining. So, you know, like once you have your thousand true fans, you can't do it anymore. That's one way, at least you could keep the same strategy, but scale it. 
Yeah, I think too. I mean, even if it didn't have their name in it, I almost feel like it could have the same effect. And at some point it might just be worth testing, like just sending a pretty standard video. But yeah, I actually kind of stole that idea from, I think it's Palo or whatever, their, the phone case company. Their CEO had posted about it on Twitter and I was like, ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. So yeah, now can we talk about the, the post-purchase experience? Because that's really super important because that's where you're, like, you're gonna get your recurring orders and your lifetime value will build up. And maybe one of the challenges for you is that, yeah, you do need to help your customers reach that point of habit or make sure that they are fully invested emotionally or to take that effort to do it every month in order to see the benefits. But how are you actually doing that? What channels of communication, what strategies, what messages are you using that are helpful in communicating and onboarding to make sure that they're seeing value from it on a monthly basis? Yeah, definitely. So some of the things in terms of retention is definitely our post-purchase flow is kind of chocked full of information on how to get the best results from the product. And part of that is every new subscriber is also getting a view, a video from me. Every is maybe an exaggeration because it's a lot of work, but the majority of our new subscribers get a video if they haven't already gotten one from the, the taste test, introducing myself, sharing my story, and just letting them know that I'm there to support them. Our community is also a massive retention tool because there's a ton of added value in there, right? You know, they have a direct line to some practitioners. If they have questions, if they have questions about the product, we have our medical advisors in there, like people are able to answer their questions as well as we just launched a digital workshop series where we're doing different topics with different experts. And that is a, they're paid workshops, but fairly often we will offer up the workshops to our existing subscribers, which we call members, the workshops for free. And so they're getting a ton of added value. Not all of the workshops are free to them, but you know, we give a lot of them to them for free helps obviously with participation, but also just letting them know that we want to support them by more than just serving them with a product. We really want to serve that full lifestyle change and support them in the other areas because it takes more than just a supplement to heal. We believe in eating properly, exercising properly, having the right mindset. So we focus on all of those things to really add value to our subscribers. And they see it, like we hear from them that they love those kind of added perks. Mm -hmm. And are, are you doing any kind of like pulse checks or check-ins or surveys kind of like on an ongoing basis in terms of the impact that they're seeing every month? Yeah. So they report back to us on their symptoms, on symptom improvement, and we kind of track it over time. We've also, we recently just did a product market fit survey with our existing subscribers. And I think it was 56% of our subscribers said that they'd be extremely disappointed if our product no longer existed. And that to us is just amazing. No one said that they wouldn't be disappointed. And the, the rest of every, like the whatever, 44% said that they would be somewhat disappointed. So everyone is somewhere on the train that if we just vanished, they'd be upset about it. So to yeah. us, that's great. <laughs> that is amazing. And I think the benchmark of 
Sean Ellis, who kind of like came up with this notion of product market fit might be 40%, right? If 40% yeah. would be very disappointed, then if under 40% would be very disappointed, then you don't have product market fit, but clearly you're far above that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just interesting to hear from them. I'm like, okay, if our product didn't exist, like what solution would you turn to? And the majority of people said, I don't know, which to me is just like, okay, like we're really kind of filling this gap here where people have found a solution that's working, they feel good about, and they don't know how they'd fix it if we didn't exist. Yeah, that's um, fantastic. So that feels really good. And I'm, I'm hopeful that just that experience for people will continue to help our retention, but we've really put a strong focus on retention from day one, knowing that this was, it's a long-term kind of game for the consumer too, of you don't just take it one month, you're good. And then you stop taking it. It's kind of a lifestyle commitment. And so we wanted them to know that we were along for this ride with them by providing mm -hmm. all of that added value, whether it's through our content, through our workshops, and just being a support system for them. Yeah. I should have asked you this earlier, uh, just to clarify, on your team, you're the CEO, you have a COO, and then you have like some different medical partners, but can you just describe what your team looks like? Don't have a COO. We have me, we have some medical advisors and a couple of independent contractors doing content. Primarily it's just me full, like full time. It is just me. I don't pay myself yet. So that's terrifying in itself, but yeah, really kind of a one man show. That's amazing. Congrats on that. And I've seen stories like this, and I think you're just a great example there. Like you have this really like core competency, you're the face of the brand, you know everything. And then there are certain things that aren't intrinsic to the brand that you're outsourcing. And, you know, that seems like a great model. And <coughs> excuse me. So you've, you've got your customer experience. It sounds like nailed down. Your community is nailed down. People love the products. So you have product market fit. But earlier you said you're really focusing on organic channels. At what point do you think you're like, all right, let's put pedal to the metal and kind of scale because we have something that works and we can find this acquisition cost that works relative to the lifetime value. From an outsider, it seems like, oh yeah, that, that's a great opportunity, but I think you know exactly what you're doing. So I'm curious to know at what point you'd say, yeah, let's scale this with paid. Yeah. Um, so we are doing a, a tiny bit of paid right now in terms of AdWords. And like I said, search is huge for us. And so we've seen really good results via AdWords and we've started to slowly scale that. It's really at this point, kind of a matter of bandwidth, obviously being a single person team. And I wanted to make sure that we had really robust and good landing pages before I just launched into paying um, for advertising. So we are doing that. And I think that we're getting close to it being time to test a social. I know that that channel can work for us, but we tested it a little bit earlier on and it was too early for sure. Now that I think we have some really great reviews and our customer base is growing, word of mouth is growing. I think we're, we're getting close now to kind of turning that channel back on, testing again, and hopefully being able to scale that way. Yeah. So you're saying it was too early because you weren't seeing the conversions on the, the traffic that clicked through? Yeah, we were getting some conversions, but it just wasn't like our 
ROAS was not anywhere that was sustainable. Got it. Yeah. And yeah, you, you certainly have a lot of reviews and it's like that you solve the chicken or the egg in terms of people won't buy if there are no reviews, but how are they going to yeah, get reviews if they don't buy? So you're there. My last question that I want to ask you is how you, you know, going back at this point might be like 10 months and you kind of like transitioned from a full-time job where you were working and kind of building this on the side, it sounded like. Yeah, I left my full-time job at the end of December. So I've been full-time for almost three months now, which isn't that long. But yeah, so I was a full-time marketing director for another e-commerce company while building and launching Marea. Yeah, and I think that's like a really smart strategic way to do it in terms of creating runway for yourself and testing the the idea. Any Any things that stick out that you might recommend to others who are, wanting to do something or working on a side hustle and trying to find this leverage to go full-time like you have with the success? Uh, I think that it's different for everyone, like truly depending on, you know, what other things you have working in your favor, you know, what your living situation is, if you're married, if you have a partner or whatever. For me, you know, the all telling like decision point was that there came a point where we had grown enough that it was really busy. You know, there's customer service, there's social media, all of these things. There's my email inbox that's still a shit show to this day. But I had that plus I had a full-time job. And so I wasn't doing either of those things well. And that was really weighing on my own mental health because I'm a, like a high achiever by just that's the type of person I am. And when you aren't doing anything well, you start to feel really awful about yourself. And it wasn't sustainable. It, I didn't feel good. I was flailing at literally every part of my life. And I was like, will I ever forgive myself if I don't just take the leap, dive all in, or will I just always regret it and wonder what would have happened? And I was like, why is today not the right day? Why is in the future the right day? And it just came to a breaking point where I was like, all right, it's just time. And I'm going to like, when I, when I quit my job, I said I was going to give myself six months. And if in six months we weren't progressing and growing, then I would find, you know, some freelance work or something that I could help support myself with, but it's looking like, I think I'll be okay. Yeah. The, the happy ending. I think that's fantastic. And I kind of went through this similar thought process myself and really like it, it boiled down to, yeah, would this be a moment of regret? And then also like, what is the worst that would happen is like, okay, you crawl back to a job, you know, with your tail between your legs or not, but you have this great experience and it really is, is a unique opportunity. Of course it is different to everybody's personal, maybe risk tolerance or day-to-day -day needs, but yeah, if there is something that you're willing to to pursue. And I think that's really good that you gave yourself a, a time limit to to have some measurable growth and look at you now. Yeah, Monica, I just want to say thanks so much for, for sharing your story and your insights and what you've done. I think that's amazing. What's the best way to find you online? Yeah, you can follow us at Maria Wellness on Instagram. And then our website is www.mareawellness.com. And a link to the community in there, I think at the footer, right? Yes, we have, I think a link in a couple of places on our website as well, a link through in our Instagram bio. Yeah, Monica, thanks so much. 
Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's the episode for today. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. We love you for it. If you found anything valuable at all or want to share your feedback, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also just drop us a line, hello at cartoverflow.com. We'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions so we can cover it in a future episode. All right, see you next time.